We're carrying on our sermon series on prayer this morning. Uh, I, I hope and our heart for you as we uh, journey through this series is that we start to build on uh, and develop our culture of prayer. Uh, we've looked at different uh, people and different ways of praying throughout the scriptures, different stories. We've looked at the story of Hannah uh, and the prayer that Hannah prays. We've looked at the prayer of Mary and of Jonah uh, and of other characters alongside Uh, We're trying to uh, explore different ways of engaging with God in prayer in the hope that it might change and shape the way that we pray. pray. Uh, It's very easy for us to get uh, stuck in a particular model or a particular pattern of prayer, and this is the way that I pray, and this is the way that I spend time with God in the morning. But we want to encourage you to uh, start to try and pray in lots of different ways, to start to connect with God in lots of different ways. Uh, Only um, me and Alice have been married for three months yesterday, don't clap, please. Stop it. No, really, you can clap. It's fine. That's, that's how this goes. Uh, we're already discovering that um, uh, we have a very set way of praying. We have a, a habit and a rhythm and a routine that we fall into. And there are benefits to that. There are good things. Uh, it gives us uh, stability and a rhythm. But uh, there's also a danger that we can start to uh, fall into a rut. We can start to get a bit stale in how we pray. Uh, things can start to get a little bit too matter-of-fact. I want to encourage you, uh, as we go through this sermon series, to explore different ways of praying. Uh, This morning we uh, come to the story of Habakkuk uh, and to Habakkuk's prayer. And Habakkuk uh, has a very particular way uh, of praying. Uh, uh, Habakkuk's story uh, is interesting and a little bit unusual. Uh, We know very little about Habakkuk. Uh, Often within the Bible, uh, people's names uh, suggest something about their personality, something about their character... Uh, It it gives us an insight into who they are as an individual, but uh, Habakkuk as a name means absolutely nothing. It's completely uh, content-free. It gives us no uh, indication as to uh, the kind of person that he is. It doesn't hint uh, of his line of work or of the kind of things uh, that he likes to do. Uh, Often uh, within the Old Testament, uh, prophets' family lines uh, are um, are talked about and discussed. They're written down. Uh, We have no family line for Habakkuk. Uh, Habakkuk, uh, it seems, doesn't come from a particularly interesting family. Uh, He doesn't come from a a noble line, from anything particularly significant. Uh, Habakkuk's words are respected because of the man speaking them rather than uh, because of his family line. Uh, Habakkuk's prayer for us this morning is uh, rather like a blank canvas. Uh, It's for us to be uh, explored uh, and to dig into. Uh, We're given a clue uh, within verse 1 as to the calling that's on Habakkuk's life. It says this, verse 1, the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet saw. Now, it's um, it's not very good form um, to um, poke holes in the translation of the Bible that we're using, but um, uh, from my reading this uh, this week, uh, lots of people have suggested that the word oracle is a bad translation. Uh, that the word oracle doesn't really give us uh, exactly uh, what it is that Habakkuk's doing and Habakkuk's engaging in. Lots of people would rather uh, the oracle was translated as burden. Uh, Habakkuk is a man with a burden, uh, a very particular concern, uh, a very particular uh, interest or heart or attitude towards. Uh, Habakkuk is a a man with a burden. Uh, Habakkuk is an intercessor as well as a prophet. He prays out of that burden. He prays out of that concern, out of that heart, out of that interest. Uh, The burden that Habakkuk has is an ache for Israel. Habakkuk aches for Israel that God might bless her and have things go well. 
Uh, this prayer, the burden that uh, Habakkuk carries, is born out of the situation that Israel finds herself in. Uh, a desperation to see God start to move and to shift things because Israel is in grave danger. Uh, at the time of Habakkuk's uh, writing and Habakkuk's prayer, Israel is in grave danger. Uh, the world uh, and the land that Habakkuk inhabits uh, is in complete anarchy. Habakkuk makes reference uh, in our passage this morning to the fact that uh, destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise, so the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. God's law has been utterly rejected by Israel. Uh, and as uh, people reject God's law, they also reject the laws of society, uh, which are hung on the same thing. Uh, Israel uh, are disrespecting the law, and where there's no law, uh, there's no justice. Uh, justice is the enactment and the enforcement of the law. And if people don't respect the law, if people don't live under the weight of the law, uh, that means there's a land where there's no justice as well. Uh, we see it in uh, countries who are led by corrupt dictators who don't respect the law. And where the law is disrespected, there's no justice for the people who live under their leadership. Uh, Israel is in complete anarchy. People are free to do whatever it is that they want without being uh, worried about being punished. Uh, there's no consequences. They can uh, loot, steal. Property is being disrespected. Uh, there's no boundaries for people to live their lives in anymore because Israel uh, is in complete anarchy. Habakkuk looks out uh, and all he sees is a country that he loves in complete disarray. Uh, the country that Habakkuk loves, that he has a particular burden for, a particular heart or a concern for, uh, is in complete disarray. If we were looking for a, a modern-day parable, we might uh, parallel, we might look towards Syria. Uh, and see the, the situation unfolding there. Uh, those in power are corrupt. Uh, there's no law. Uh, there's no justice, and so violence prosper. Uh, people flee. Families are separated. Uh, Habakkuk could be uh, in Damascus, and his words would carry the same weight. Uh, the situation he describes would look uh, very, very familiar. Uh, and as there's no uh, law or order or justice, uh, Israel is now at danger from attack from the outside. Uh, Israel, when her people are warring against themselves, uh, when they're stealing from one another, uh, when the country is divided against itself or at risk from attack uh, from those neighbors around her who wish her harm. Uh, and Israel's descent into anarchy is very, very badly timed. It's very badly timed because uh, there's a new enemy uh, amassing on her borders. Uh, there's a new threat. Uh, there's a new nation ready to attack. Uh, there's a tribe called the Chaldeans who were starting to pose a significant threat. Uh, in God's response to Habakkuk's prayer, uh, God says this, For behold, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than leopards, more fierce than the evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forwards. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep, up, then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own might is their gods. God's response details the threat posed by the Chaldeans. Uh, the Chaldeans were an enemy that had swept to power with uh, incredible pace. Uh, the Chaldeans uh, had just conquered Egypt. They just conquered Syria, Assyria, and Palestine. Uh, and they'd done all of that within 20 years. 
Uh, that's a huge swathe of land. Uh, they're defeating uh, armies that are well-equipped, armies that are well-organized, armies who are uh, well-able to defend themselves, and the Chaldeans have just brushed them all aside within 20 years. Uh, that's an utterly astonishing feat uh, for a tribe and a nation who until then uh, had been relatively insignificant. Uh, the Chaldeans are starting to become uh, the regional superpower, uh, and now they're ready and waiting on Israel's borders. Uh, they're now ready and waiting to attack Israel and to overthrow her leaders. Uh, as the Chaldeans came, uh, they, they pursued a scorched earth policy. Uh, that meant that they destroyed all the buildings that they came against. Uh, they took no prisoners. They were utterly ruthless in what they did. They were uh, feared and to be feared by all of the nations around them. Uh, it's understandable uh, the anxiety that might cause Israel. Uh, that's the army that's massed on Israel's borders as she struggles to maintain law and order within her own country. That's the threat that is po that's posed that's causing Habakkuk so much concern. Uh, because of those fears and concerns, Habakkuk calls out in prayer. Uh, and he calls out to God and says, uh, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Habakkuk is calling out to God. He's crying out that God might bring some kind of violence, uh, that God might do something uh, to take away the threat that the Chaldeans pose. Uh, but God hears Habakkuk's prayer, and instead, uh, all God promises uh, is more violence against Israel. Uh, God is raising up the Chaldeans. Habakkuk cries out for violence. He cries out for vengeance, and all God says is, well, the Chaldeans are coming, and they'll bring even more violence. Uh, the nation that Habakkuk lives in isn't just falling apart from the inside, uh, from the decay and the failure to enact law and justice, uh, but it's also about to fall apart from the outside. It's about to be attacked and taken to pieces. Uh, we could uh, take this uh, talk several different ways. We could uh, look uh, at what it is to pray to a God who doesn't always do what we think God should do about how uh, prayer isn't like a slot machine, about how we don't just uh, put a pound in and get the right thing uh, out all the time. We could uh, talk about what it is to pray to a God who we uh, don't fully understand, uh, a God who is uh, full of mystery. Uh, today I want to talk instead about uh, prayers of lament, about prayers of laments, because uh, for me Habakkuk's prayer is uh, primarily one of laments. Uh, it's one of deep despair and agony. Uh, more than an interesting study on how God uh, might respond to us, to me it's an example of a man who's wrestling with God uh, right at the very bottom of his life. Uh, a man uh, who is engaged in wrestling with God in trying to understand him uh, right at the very bottom of his life. Uh, the definition of lament uh, is to express deep sorrow or grief. Deep sorrow or grief. Uh, there's a deep sorrow within Habakkuk. Uh, deep within him, there's uh, something that goes beyond uh, a passing sadness and into a deep sorrow, uh, into the kind of uh, blackness and darkness uh, that seems like it won't ever lift, uh, like a, a thick fog or a heavy grey cloud that won't ever shift. Uh, Habakkuk is caught up in that deep sorrow and grief for the nation that he utterly loves, for the nation that he utterly loves that seems to be tearing itself apart, that has a, an, an enemy amassing on its borders who wants to overthrow it. Uh, and in deep uh, sorrow and grief, uh, he wrestles with God, trying to understand why these things are happening. Uh, maybe you're here this morning, and uh, within you there seems to be a deep sorrow. Uh, maybe there's a grief within you that you can identify with this story. 
Uh, maybe uh, you look at the wider world and there are things that cause you to lament. Maybe you look at the refugee crisis in Calais uh, as the French government um, discards and sweeps aside uh, all of the camps they've set up. Maybe that causes your heart uh, to lament and to be full of sorrow. Uh, maybe you look at uh, global warming in the way that uh, we seem to be destroying our planet at a rate of knots, and that causes you to lament. Uh, maybe there are things that uh, feel a little bit closer to home. Uh, maybe there are relationships that seem to be broken beyond repair. Maybe uh, you lost a loved one too soon, and that's causing you uh, grief, which leads to lament. For each of us at different stages and at different times in our lives, we're given cause to lament. Uh, whether it's uh, today, whether it was a while ago, or whether it's a time yet to come, we all find ourselves uh, needing to lament, needing to pray the prayers that uh, Habakkuk prayed. Now, uh, it's worth drawing the distinction between what it is to lament uh, and what it is to complain. Uh, the two are uh, very often easily confused, and we're, uh, we try and avoid uh, complaining within the church. Uh, a person who complains tends to have a heart that's full of bitterness. Uh, they tend uh, to have already reached their conclusions about what's happened and why, uh, and they're concerned with being right, with being justified. Uh, complaints seek uh, to lay blame at one person's door rather than engage uh, in an honest search for the reason why. Uh, people who are complaining try to make themselves sound like the victim uh, and the other person like the reason. Uh, there's no uh, openness to discussion, no openness to understanding, but instead uh, trying to justify uh, their own position. Uh, someone who is lamenting comes at it from a very different perspective and a very different angle. Uh, within lamenting, there's a hunger, uh, a longing, and a yearning to connect and understand. Uh, they come with questions that uh, they haven't worked out the answer to yet. Uh, they seek to understand rather than triumph over and be proved right. Uh, we're not to be afraid of lamenting because uh, to lament is a powerful thing. Uh, it's a significant thing. Uh, lamenting is uh, ultimately about moving towards God. Uh, as we lament, we choose to move towards God. Uh, Habakkuk's prayer today is one of lament uh, because in it we see that he's searching. Uh, we see a desire and a longing within Habakkuk to connect with God. Uh, he comes before his God, the God of the nation that he loves, uh, and he begins to question. Uh, behind Habakkuk's how long uh, is the unspoken cry of because I have my limits. Uh, behind uh, Habakkuk's why uh, is the insistence that one day he must have answers. Uh, Habakkuk trusts in God enough uh, to wrestle with him. Uh, he refuses to let God off the hook. He has a problem with the way that things are, and he decides that he can't rest until he has some kind of answer from God. Uh, lamenting is about engaging with God and with our own hurt. It's about refusing to retreat uh, and sulk, but instead bringing it before God uh, and talking about it with him. Uh, there's a mistake that we often make uh, whilst we lament. Uh, Habakkuk makes it in verse 2. He says, uh, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help? and you will not hear. Uh, Habakkuk makes the mistake of presuming that God is inactive, uh, that God is uh, passive, that he's not doing anything. He presumes that uh, since God isn't doing the thing that Habakkuk thinks God should do, uh, he must be doing nothing at all. Uh, Habakkuk has a very fixed and a very narrow expectation for God, and it's that God will do this particular thing or, or act in this particular way. Uh, God responds to Habakkuk in verse 5 and says, Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded, for I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. 
God is doing more than Habakkuk can imagine. Uh, God was far from inactive. God was far from passive. It's just that God was reading from a different script to Habakkuk. Uh, God was uh, acting in a way that was outside of Habakkuk's understanding, outside of uh, what Habakkuk thought that God should be doing. And uh, where Habakkuk presumed inactivity, God was uh, very active. It's just that Habakkuk didn't have the framework to understand what God was doing. Uh, As we lament, we need to leave ourselves open to the possibility that God is doing something different, uh, something outside of our expectations for him, uh, something that goes beyond what we expected. Uh, that the thing that God is doing is so completely beyond our comprehension and understanding that we don't have the framework to understand it. Uh, as we choose to engage with the mystery of God, uh, with God doing things that are beyond our understanding, we engage with the pain that we're feeling. We engage with the pain and the sorrow that comes with lamenting. Uh, there's a, a predisposition within each of us to retreat from pain. Uh, we've learned that pain is a a difficult thing and a hard thing. Uh, It's something for us to avoid. And so whenever we're hurt, uh, whenever someone causes us pain, we pull back and we retreat. Uh, We don't want to feel that pain. We try and numb ourselves. Uh, We choose not to think about it. Uh, We try not to look at it. We try not to engage with it. We try not to talk about it. Uh, We try and pull back and retreat. Uh, But to lament is to choose to engage rather than to disengage. Uh, To lament is to choose to engage all of our emotions, whether they're um, safe and easy and comfortable or whether they feel painful and difficult. Uh, In the lament, we start to articulate the depth of how we're feeling. Uh, We start to give voice to some of the uncomfortable emotions, some of the questions, some of the searching, uh, some of the sense of hurt and of being let down. Uh, To lament is to choose to engage with our emotions, uh, to engage with our whole selves, uh, not to hide how we feel, not to um, put on a front and pretend that everything's okay, but instead to start uh, to be honest and act with integrity in our relationship with God and in how we pray. Uh, As we lament, we exhibit deep trust. Uh, We don't lament with people that we don't trust. Uh, We don't lament uh, with the boss that we think might fire us. Uh, We don't lament with uh, the people that we think might reject us or abandon us, uh, but we lament with people who we know uh, will be with us regardless. Uh, As we bring our lament before God, we honour him. Uh, We show that we trust him. Uh, We show that we believe that God won't leave us, that God won't walk away, uh, that God hears us. Uh, We trust that God has our best at heart. Uh, We choose to walk towards God with our questions rather than run away with our anger. Uh, All of those things put um, honour and value and respect on God. Uh, To lament uh, is a form of worship. Uh, It's to honour God and say that we trust him with everything that we have. Uh, We choose to be present and acknowledge how we're feeling uh, rather than to suppress and ignore. At its very heart, uh, lament is about pursuing connection. Uh, Lamenting is about pursuing connection with God. It's about uh, not retreating, not putting up walls, not numbing parts of ourselves, but uh, taking a step towards God. Uh, Being honest about how we feel, uh, about uh, seeking relationship and connection with him. Uh, It's to trust that following God uh, is more about deeper relationship and truer connection than it is about having all the right answers. Uh, Over time, uh, as we lament, we bring our questions before God. Uh, We come to God and we seek understanding, we seek uh, answers. And over time, as we lament, we might find that uh, some of our questions get resolved, uh, but also that new questions start to take their place. Uh, Over the course of our relationship with God, it it isn't about getting all of our questions answered, but about uh, getting better, different questions. Uh, As we lament, 
uh, we come to God with our questions and maybe some of them get answered, but more likely than not, they evolve and they shift over time. Uh, they express uh, the new depth of our relationship, the new depth of our connection with God. Uh, to lament is to choose to connect with God, to persist and pursue, uh, even when it feels uncomfortable or hard. Uh, and as we um, bring our questions before God, uh, as we lament, we acknowledge the mystery of God. Uh, we acknowledge that his ways are higher and greater than ours, and that whilst we're bound by time and space, God is bound by none. We submit ourselves to his greater, greater understanding. Uh, we pray to a God who, whilst we see, his, whilst we see glimpses of his character and nature, uh, we can never fully understand. We pray to a God who is, uh, at least in part, a mystery to us. Uh, the things that uh, God does won't necessarily be the things that we expect God to do. Uh, Pete Grigg uh, wrote a, a book called God on Mute, and in it he uh, explains and articulates uh, some of this. He says, I asked for strength that I might achieve. He made me weak that I might obey. I asked for health that I might do greater things. I was given grace that I might do better things. I asked for riches that I might be happy. I was given poverty that I might be wise. I asked for power that I might have the praise of men. I was given weakness that I might feel the need of God. I asked for all things that I might enjoy life. I was given life that I might enjoy all things. I received nothing that I asked for, all that I hoped for. My prayer was answered. I was most blessed. As we bring uh, our questions to God through lament, uh, there's the scope for God to do things that are outside of our expectations, outside of our understanding, outside of the, um, the narrow line in the script that we set God to walk. Uh, they're things that um, open up different possibilities, that open up uh, new horizons. It's easy to make the mistake uh, of thinking that to lament, uh, within the church we're not called to lament because we're always meant to be happy. Uh, often we, uh, we think that coming to church means that we have to have everything in our world uh, neatly ordered, that we have to uh, smile all the time, that we have to put on a, a happy front. Uh, but uh, we're called to model our lives after Jesus. We're called to model our lives after Jesus. And Jesus was a, a man who didn't just know deep joy and happiness, uh, but also a man uh, who prayed prayers of lament, who gave uh, words and utterance to uh, deep sorrow and grief. Uh, Jesus, being a, a Jew, uh, would have engaged in Passover. Uh, and within uh, the Passover ritual, uh, they pray through the Psalms, a selection of the Psalms. Uh, and a, a number of the Psalms are in themselves prayers of lament. Uh, Jesus would have uh, prayed and articulated uh, the deep sorrow and grief that comes with lamenting. Uh, on the cross, Jesus prayed one of uh, the iconic prayers of lament. He said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus didn't run away from his pain in that moment. Uh, Jesus didn't uh, present a, a neatly bound up uh, front. Uh, he wasn't trying to, to look like he had it all together, but was instead uh, bringing the entirety of his emotion. He was bringing his deep sorrow and grief uh, at that situation and at that moment and articulating it before God's. He chose to bring the full weight of his emotions before God in prayer, uh, and we're liberated to do the same as we lament. And as we lament, we recognize that there will uh, come an end to all things, uh, an end to our sorrow, an end to our grief. Uh, we don't uh, lament interminably, but knowing that uh, this, like all things, will pass and end. Uh, verse 11 gives us a glimpse, a glimpse of what's to come for Habakkuk and Israel. Uh, God says, then they sweep by like the wind and go on, uh, guilty men whose own might is their gods. 
Uh, the Chaldeans are a guilty people. Uh, and we know that within Scripture, guilty people uh, will always fall. Uh, and those who God makes righteous will be justified. Uh, we know that uh, the Chaldeans will one day fall and Israel will be uh, restored. Uh, even if there's turmoil to come, Habakkuk can be sure that there'll be a, a day of vindication. Uh, we read that at the end of Habakkuk, uh, his, words, uh, his words of lament have turned to words of praise. Uh, Habakkuk sings to God not because uh, life has righted itself, uh, not because everything feels like it's been neatly uh, put back together and put back in the box or because of what God's done, uh, but because of who Habakkuk believes God to be. Uh, Habakkuk uh, says this, he says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord's. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Things are still difficult in Habakkuk's world. Uh, there's still uh, reason for sorrow. There's still reason for deep grief and lament. Uh, but Habakkuk chooses to pursue connection. He chooses to uh, press on into deeper connection and deeper relationship with God. Uh, and as he does that, he's not uh, too proud to bring his questions. He's not too proud uh, to bring the things that he doesn't understand. Habakkuk uh, searches and he presses on and he pursues. Uh, and as he pursues, uh, he's released to see that uh, there'll be a day when all things are restored and redeemed. I want to encourage you uh, this week or in the weeks to come uh, to experiment and explore uh, with prayers of lament. Maybe to look through the Psalms uh, and to uh, use words that someone else has written. Or if there's uh, a situation uh, which is causing you uh, sorrow or grief, to start to articulate that before God. To start to be uh, honest before him about how you're feeling. To start uh, not to um, put on a, a neat, clean, pristine front, but instead to uh, pursue him, to be honest, to be authentic, to have integrity in your relationship with God. Uh, and as you do that and you pursue him to bring him your questions, uh, to bring him the searchings and the longings of your heart. Because as we do all those things, as we uh, choose to pursue, we honour God's. We worship him. We say uh, by our thoughts and by our actions and by our prayers that uh, connection with God is something that we value. It's something that we choose to pursue. Amen.